This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 149, Moving from Darkness to Light. Have you been through some hard times recently, but find yourself ready to embrace challenges as lessons and forever change the narrative of your life? Well, our guest of today has been walking this path and is here to talk about it. Lisa Anasiz is an author, a dedicated practitioner and teacher of Kundalini Yoga and Meditation. She's a sound healer, a spiritual guide, and the owner of The Divine Sound, a yoga and sound healing studio. In her first book, I Am Light, Lisa openly shares stories from her path about finding her own light as an opportunity to educate and help others to do the same for themselves. I would really love to read your takeaways on today's episode. So as you listen, take a screenshot of the episode and share one of your takeaways with me on Instagram, tagging at on and off your mat podcast. I will reshare you and together as a community, we'll be able to read your takeaways so we can go deeper into the content of each episode and we can learn and grow together. All right, let's get to today's episode with Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So Lisa, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your good journey to get us started? Sure. So I am a divorced single mother of two young boys, nine and 11. My youngest has permanent hearing loss. I am a certified Kundalini yoga teacher, a sound healing practitioner, an author of the book, I Am Light, and the owner of a spiritual healing center in White Gulf, New Jersey called Divine Sound where I host different meditations and offer sessions for people of my community. Amazing. I have read your book and in your book, in the intro, you talked about how you didn't really like yoga the first time you tried it, although now you're a yoga teacher, but you went down the route of Kundalini. So how is Kundalini different for you than other types of yoga? Yes. So yoga was always something because of my personality. I, you know, very stressed out career prior to yoga you should do yoga, do yoga. And it was something that wasn't inertly inside of me. It wasn't, mm. you know, in my heart to do yoga. I was just doing a checklist. It was more mm. of a mental thing, mental exercise. So I kind of always went back and forth to yoga, but never really loved it. And then I came across Kundalini at the right time. Kundalini found me where I was needing a spirituality in my life. And mm. so Kundalini just connected with my heart. I was full of joy and I truly loved going to class. And I love the way I felt afterwards. And that's what led me to regularly going and then wanting to become a teacher. So can you describe what's a Kundalini class for our listeners that have never practiced Kundalini? And they're like, well, I still really don't know what's the difference and if I would like it more or less or if it would bring me something different. So how does a practice look like? Sure. So Kundalini is a very special practice. It's very mm -hmm. spiritual and it's identifying your own path to truth. So we say a lot in Kundalini Sat Nam, which is truth is my identity. So something from the beginning, Kundalini was always different. And we follow a Kriya. A Kriya is a set of exercises or postures, asanas, and all to attribute a certain type of focus for the class. So uh, digestion, heart, intuition, you name it, there's a Kriya for that. So every class <laughs> is always different. It was traditional in the set of other yoga classes. And the classes are also structured with certain components that are always in a class. So we chant a lot with mantras. That's a form of sound healing. Also, we have the movement with the yoga postures and a lot of breath work, conscious breathing, being aware of our breath and how it feels in our body and how we can change our mood with the breath, obviously. And also meditations. 
deep relaxation and also a lot of gong work too. In Kundalini, you find different instructors who utilize the gong during deep relaxation, which I thought was the most beautiful part mm-hmm. of the class as well to move energies. So that's how the Kundalini practice is a little different than traditional yoga. Yeah, absolutely. How's the effect for you different? Like the physical versus in my experience of Kundalini, it's a very energetic practice, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. how does that affect you differently? So in Kundalini, the goal is to generate energy. We're moving the dormant Kundalini energy up the spine to achieve awareness, consciousness. So For me, it was the first time I really become aware. I started to open up to the world around me and aware of what's going on. And also, I started to trust myself, you know, realizing that in Kundalini, we want to build our intuition and we want to realize that you're the leader of your own life. You can trust yourself in your practice. And that to me was something that was very different. And and the energy work, you're feeling it. You feel it during the class. It could be energy. If you ever come into class, there's a lot of heat generated because everyone's working their energy up. And that's just a beautiful thing working in a community together. There's incredible power in the group in Kundalini. There's something so special about sharing the experience and the space and the energy. It just fuels you to do the thing that is hard because Kundalini is not an easy practice. and At the same time, the power of the group and what is being asked of you to do is one of the practices that's made me feel the most powerful in my life. Like the most strong and powerful is the best word. Like bringing my arms down after a 62-minute meditation and be like, I just did that. You know, that feeling of, I didn't think I could, but I can. This is like Kundalini for me. Yes, it's it's definitely something in the beginning I struggled with meditations. I was like, oh my God, seven minute meditations. But now, you know, bring it on. I really enjoy the time connecting with my soul and mm. you know accomplishing something. And that I think is something you do on the map that takes with you in your day. That's where I notice a huge difference as well, managing my external world around me through the practice of Kundalini. How so? It's just even interaction with my children. So I'm more mm-hmm. patient with them and find that I can manage more stresses in my life. I mean, we always have stress, right? That's never going to stop. It's just we have to learn how to control our internal body in order to manage the response externally. So, you know, not yelling and being more present. My to-do list is always so plentiful and learning how to not take on as much responsibility. That way I can focus on what I have on my plate right now. So less is not always more, obviously, in a sense. And the Kundalini practice was something that sparked that awareness in me that took me on further journeys in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So people, if you want to hear more about what is Kundalini and what it looks like, go back all the way to episode 26. It's been a minute, but we had an episode on Kundalini and Radiant Body with Kia Miller. So you can dive in a little bit more after this episode if you want, if you're curious and you want to know even more about that. We'll shift gears a little bit to talk about your book. Your book, I Am Light is the title. What does light mean to you? Like in the contrast of like, what does it mean to live in the dark? So light is something that you generally, for me, light is living within my heart. So Mm. following my heart versus the dark, when I was living in per se the dark, I was very mind focused. So in the light, it's happier, uplifting emotions. So love, gratitude, living in the light, also being more present, having a simplified outlook. And then compared to the dark, anger, 
fear are all things that would bring down your vibration and you had this fear, but also it's connection with your mind and your ego. So it's that balance of two and realizing that light can only exist in the dark. So appreciating loving it and loving our dark sides because we all do at different times of our day or whatever experiencing, you know, we're not always on a high all the time living in the light. You, you will experience things in your lives. And the goal is to learn how to pull up out of the dark back into the light quicker. And that's what virtual healing tools do. And I have myself practiced with my own divorce and separation, how to come about and I transform my life. And so that's mm-hmm. why I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. And I think like the more we allow ourselves to experience the dark, the further we can go into the light as well. There's like this dichotomy of we think like if we stay out of the dark, we have more light. But I actually think that if we have courage and we face the dark, we have access to so much more light. It's like it just broadens the spectrum of the human experience we can have. Oh, yes, definitely. I love all the dark moments in my life because (laughs) It brought me here today. You know, writing a book was never, ever on my radar, but I found writing as a very pivotal healing technique for myself because I didn't know where else to go. I process my emotions that way. And so I'm so grateful for my experiences because I asked for them. I, I came to this earth and this body, my soul, and I wanted different experiences. And I'm very grateful to have walked my path. And I often say in my book, I mentioned I'm living my second life. I connect with the rising phoenix and living the second life out of the ashes. And that's something that I believe that I have. So I'm very grateful for my past, bringing me to my future and beyond. Is the second life the post-divorce life? Yeah, well, it was my spiritual awakening, waking up and realizing I wasn't living my truth. Mm. And then once I communicated that I didn't feel in my heart, I was living for my best self and I wanted to follow that light. And I did that. And that's when a whole bunch of opportunities transpired with getting to sound work and, and writing my healing center, things that didn't exist two years prior. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful how things just unfold when we actually get aligned, right? And trusting, trusting the unknown. You mentioned courage before. So it takes a lot of courage to trust something at a path that's not defined for you. Mm-hmm. But just knowing you deserve and deserve and you believe that's where you need to go. Yeah. And that trusting of your intuition and that you might not have all the answers of what the path ahead looks like, but you mm-hmm. know that you're willing to take that branch and see what it will bring. Correct. Mm. This is so good. When you talked about light versus dark, you mentioned two things that I want to come back to. One was vibration. And I think in Kundalini, there's such a big emphasis. We talked about mantras a little bit. There's such a big emphasis on sound and the power of vibration itself. So in your book, you went ahead and you added sound healing, like Tibetan bowls, chimes, and other things. And you mentioned earlier in your intro about your son and his loss of hearing. So like, how's this all come together? And why did you want it to add even more sound? Or like, what's the train of thought there and the the goal? Sure, of course. So my son was diagnosed with permanent hearing loss two summers ago. Before he was diagnosed, we knew something was up, but we weren't sure what was going on. But I had a psychic download and session that said sound healing would help him. Now, I was already a Kundalini teacher. I had a gong. 
And I was like, okay, sound healing. So I learned about the ancient Tibetan bowls and I found my teacher and I learned about certain tools called the tingshas that are utilized in Tibet by the monks for meditation, but also for sound healing. So I knew that that was my path of why I found my teacher and the tools. But so the sound healing, you know, I really went into it for my son to help him, but I found my joy of playing instruments and the vibration. So the sound moves through your bodies and moves energy is no longer serving us. And so it can totally change your mood and lots of other things that it can do. But my first goal was for my son, but then I found my joy as well. Because sound moved me so well and so deeply, I wanted to share that with my readers who may not even know what sound healing is. And you get access to professionally recorded um, healings that are recordings that I've done on my website that you can utilize and listen to whenever you feel like you need to, because mm-hmm. it's a way of meditation that is the easiest form is to lay there and be peace and allow the sound to move through you and do its job. Yeah, I think it's a beautiful add on. Like it just reinforces, I find like some aspect of Kundalini on its own. So you mentioned how it affects your mood, that it mm-hmm. brought you more joy and that it was helpful for your son. Are there other benefits for listeners that are like, I don't know if I really need this. Like, why might they need that? (laughs) Of course. So it allows you to be more present. So when Mm -hmm. I teach a class, I do a guided meditation in the beginning, talking about focusing on your breath. Present moment is all that exists. So allowing your body that peace and the gift of self-love, self-healing for whatever time frame that you're doing the healing for. But also it's calming your body, calming your nervous system, slowing down your breath, slowing down your heart rate. And those are all great things that we want to you know, incorporate into our lives because we have so much going on constantly and it never stops. So this is a way to allow our mind to be at peace and to focus, help concentrate for some of the key takeaways, but also the energy. So we're always, everything we do gets stored in our bodies, our subconscious, until we recognize them and release them. This allows those things that are in you to kind of come to the surface and allow them to be let go if you allow them. Because during a session, you may experience different colors or visions that are totally normal. They may come up. So it's things for you to become aware of that way they no longer can affect you. Mm. That's lovely. Again, we had an episode on crystal bowl. So on the sound healing, but particularly with crystal bowl. So you guys, this was number three. We're talking like four years ago, if not more. So if you want to hear about the crystal sound of crystal healing bowls or of sound healing, go back to that episode as well. Now, the other thing you mentioned when we talked about light and darkness, there was the vibration. And then you talked about the mind and the ego. So I wanted to come back to that because I find there's a big part of the practice and in your book as well on like how to feed our soul and not just continue to be on the path of the things we think we should do, the things that just are so automated from our family of origin, from our culture, from whatever conditioning and patterning we have that might not actually feed our soul. So what are your thoughts on like how these different practices within Kundalini, whether it's the Kriyas, the mantras, sound healing, the physical movement, the breath, how do they help you either find 
what your soul is, you know, actually wanting and needing and asking of you and how to feed that soul instead of just staying into the autopilot of your life. Sure. So in the Kundalini, in the classes, we have the opportunity to spend a lot of time with your soul. We close our eyes. So no one's looking at each other. You're not worried about the person's doing next to you. And through all the postures, meditations, you really have the opportunity to, to focus on intuition by focusing on third eye, but also just hanging out with your soul, as I like to put it. So in doing that, I know at least for me, or in meditation, I get all my answers on the mat in meditation when I'm really quiet and still, things maybe I'm struggling with or contemplating something. Answers just come intuitively. I know the way to go. So it's a very flowing practice per se, because I tend to my past life control everything with my mind, the ego, I should be doing this. It's weird if I do this, but I threw that all out the window, just really felt good for myself for the first time ever. And I consciously am aware, now even today, of making sure I do things that feel good to me, feel good to what's good for Lisa and my family, my two boys. And maybe it doesn't match up with other people's viewpoints or things. But as long as I'm okay and feeling good and I'm able to care for my family, then that's okay. And it takes people time to open up to that understanding of maybe being different or leading your own path, your own way. But it's the best. And honestly, living for yourself is the most rewarding feeling. People are going to judge you. But you know what? You keep They're going to judge you either way. So yeah. <laughs> you keep going. Yeah. I definitely think like if we come back to that idea of courage, like this is one of the lessons of Kundalini and like to take that path that is just for you and is not the path that is expected out of you or you were told you were supposed to follow. That takes so much courage. And I think that's one of the ways we take the practice off the mat is my learning to make those decisions for ourselves that are best for ourselves and the people we love. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely one piece. And then you mentioned intuition and how like we connect to the third eye quite a bit in Kundalini. And that is also true. And I find that the practice is so potent in quieting the mind compared to practices that are more focused on the physical asanas or that separate, you know, a bit more like the physical, then you do pranayama, then you do meditation, and it's kind of mm -hmm. one behind the other. I mm -hmm. find there's so much for you to do in Kundalini that your mind doesn't have a choice to quiet down because you're asking so much already. You're either you know, repeating something or you have to pay attention in very particular like things that you're doing. So you're asking a lot of your mind and it helps it quiet down so much. And I think this is when you're able to hear your intuition, hear those messages from your soul because the soul whispers, right? It's not super, super loud. It doesn't yell at you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it really creates that space. And I think that's really a special part of Kundalini. I agree. I love everything that you just said and couldn't agree more as I was shaking my head. You know, it's a, a beautiful thing to be able to learn how to trust yourself and mm -hmm. know that you have tools to lead your life. And that's something that I go back to in my book, like you're the leader of your life. And but my past first life, I like to call it like I asked everyone under the sun, should I do this? Do I do that? What do you think about that? My career relationships, everything I didn't trust that I had the answers, but now mm -hmm. I do. 
And that is courage, like we talked about. And, you know, but it came from also making sure that my body, my chakra system, all those things had to be healed. They had to be working. So when I first moved out of my home, I did a lot of work on my third chakra, my solar plexus and my heart chakra. I had to strengthen my solar plexus to give me the courage mm-hmm. and the power to lead this new life of mine I never led before. And the heart, I never loved myself ever. I didn't think I deserved love or worthy of love. So I did specific tools and postures and mantras for those areas because I knew they needed the most work. And so that is something that I'm grateful that I knew. So I feel like Mm -hmm. I set myself up intuitively to prepare myself for my own life. And in doing so, I can now show to other people. I did this and you can too. So that, as I know my spiritual name and my plan to do is to serve other people with God's divine love and light. And I'm so grateful for that. Mm, Yeah, that's so good to be able to find that and have that clarity over time. Mm. You divided your book into six sections called Truth, Joy, Power, Love, Intuition, and Divinity. Can you talk us through that path, why these and why in that order? Of course. So the book is 180 days split up into six chapters. Each chapter is 30 days. And I wanted to organize, and every day has a new quote. So you have 180 quotes I reflect on. So I wanted a way to organize. And the best way for me was to look at the chakras. So the first chapter is truth, combines two different um, chakra systems that connected together. And so I went up the chakra system. So truth is connecting with our root and our throat. And then I go to joy, which is my sacral chakra for emotions. Power is the solar plexus. Love is the heart. Intuition is the sixth chakra. And then the crown is divinity. So we're going off the chakra system and why those certain words. So mantras are very important to me. And the whole book is a mantra. I am light and also each chapter. So I want my reader to know that you are those things. And repeating those repetitive mantras becomes your existence, who you are. So look at each of those chapters. I go into our truth, for example. I go into vulnerability, authenticity, inner child, ground into the earth, also the, the first chakra. So I dissect each of those, you know, chakra areas and pull out some key areas that I felt were important to highlight and discuss for the reader to be aware of. That makes it a easy kind of to follow path, you know? I just thought it was interesting that the root and the throat were combined. What was mm-hmm. that choice? I was working with my publisher and we were, we were talking about just what made sense, you know, looking at the chapters and you know, she was talking about truth and her connecting with the root. And so I said, okay, so we'll go there. And it was a combined thing with, with my publisher working on that. Mm. I find it works kind of magically, perfectly with Kundalini, with just what you were saying right in the beginning with Satnam, like I am truth. And we start there, even though it might, you know, for a lot of us, truth connects to the throat, not necessarily to the root. I don't think it's as common as a word that is associated with the root chakra, but I find it's an interesting like combination, hence the topic or with the topic. Yeah. So So anything else you want to add before we finish? Either on the book, on Kunuli, on the practices, or like one takeaway you'd like them to to leave with? Of course. Thank you. So I just feel very strongly in the book. I teach you, you live your truth. I live authenticity, following light of your heart with gratitude and takes you home, home to you. That's something that I feel very strongly about and just identifying our love is in our hearts. And so reminding readers or the viewers, listeners about that 
that you always know what's home by connecting with your heart. And that's just one takeaway I wanted to give. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a good one. I think people can sit with that for a minute. <laughs> I'll put all your information in the show notes, of course. But in the meantime, if people are just listening, where's the best place for them to find you? If they want to say hello, they have further questions, they want to connect or they want to get your book or any events that you might have in the future, where's the best place for them to go? Sure. So uh, my website is lisaanise.com and my Instagram is also my name, Lisa Anise. So, so I post a lot of different events on my Instagram and videos that I'm working on. My goal is to have retreats in the future focused on the book and also some virtual spiritual groups I'll be creating in the next couple of months related to the teachings in the book as a way for people to connect and mm-hmm. reflect on some of the writings there and, and offer deep reflection and, and points there and meditation. So that's one of my short-term goals to utilize with the book. And I believe in this time, people need connection points with others who are like-minded to you. So offering that space for people is something that I'm looking forward to doing. My website has all the information on it as well. And plus, if you're local to New Jersey, I offer treatments and events if people are local who are listening. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time today. That was a lovely chat. Thank you. Likewise. Take care, Erica. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, leave a review for this episode or the podcast in general on iTunes. It really truly helps people find the podcast. And to say thank you, you'll get access to our premium membership for free for a full month. Send me an email with a screenshot of the review and we'll get you all set up. My email is erica.belanger at gmail.com and you'll find that in the show notes. If you're looking for the show notes for this or anything else, you'll find them at ericabelanger.com slash 149. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And that includes also all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening. See you next Monday.